This episode contains graphic details of murder and other crimes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Anatomy's Polite. I hope you guys had a great week so far. I hope you guys had a great week last week. I was recovering from moving last week. I just was all over the place, so I do apologize for missing last week. But this week I have a new episode for you, and I didn't realize until I started recording this that this case and the last case I uploaded have some similarities, so we'll get into that. But Yeah, today I have the case of Kevin Pline and his family. I had never heard of it before, so it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, actually. I'm always shocked that I don't know about these cases. So without further ado, let's get on into the episode, shall we? Also, I just listened to that clip back and it's definitely echoey in here. So uh, I'm sorry about the echo. I will try to have that fixed for next week, but currently I don't have a lot of furniture. So... Apparently, tell me you guys know what that's from. Anyways, sorry for the echo, but I'll get on to the episode now. Uh, sorry. Kevin Pline and his family lived in a rural home in Uxbridge Township. They lived a quiet life and rarely interacted with their neighbors. The family consisted of Kevin and his sister Cindy, their father Peter, and mother Erica. Peter was described by relatives as being strict and controlling, and the rest of the family lived in his shadow. In 2006, Peter died of cancer, and Kevin who was managing a bowling alley in Markham at the time, found himself as the head of the family, filling the role that his father once had. His mother was in her late 60s at the time, and although she'd been a tiny woman her whole life, Peter's death seemed to cause her health to decline. Her eyesight started failing, and her appetite decreased. Peter's sister, Cindy, who lived with a cognitive disability, was dependent on her family for day-to-day support. So Peter had quite the job to, oh, sorry, not Peter, Peter's, Peter's dead. Kevin had quite the job to take on, caring for his mother and sister. So we're going to fast forward a few years um, to June of 2009. Paramedics were called to their residence on Concession 2 in the county of Altona. What they saw when they arrived was, quote, a ghastly scene. 48-year-old Cindy Pline lay dead on a mattress. Second and third degree burns covered about 25% of her body. There was a bucket of bloody tissues sat on the floor beside the bed. The burns, which had become infected, had destroyed her skin and damaged her esophagus. The injuries would have been, quote, excruciating, a pathologist later said in court. The attending police officers spoke with Kevin, who explained that Sydney, Sydney, oh my God, Cindy had been injured several days earlier. She had been preparing a cup of tea when her nightgown was ignited by the stove burner. He said that Cindy was stubborn and refused to go to the hospital, so she had been treated at home. Cindy succumbed to her injuries 11 days after the burns occurred. Kevin was later interviewed by a coroner, and he said that Cindy had been treated by, quote, home care workers, and that he himself had diligently changed her dressings and, um, like, did her wound care which he was not qualified to do. 
but her death was ultimately ruled accidental. Life returned to normal for Kevin and his mother when only 10 months later in April of 2010, paramedics were once again called to their home. This time they found 72 year old Erica Pline in a shocking state. She was severely emaciated and near death. Kevin explained that Erica had been ailing and without any appetite for a few days, but that explanation just wasn't sitting right with the doctor who examined Erica when she arrived at the hospital in Markham. Dr. Jason Zitzo stated that, quote, my first observation was that she was very sick, very malnourished. You could see all the ribs. There was extensive bruising on her face and an abrasion on her forehead. Dr. Zitzo confronted Kevin and said, quote, I told him the extent of her malnourishment didn't happen in a few days. Shortly after her arrival at the hospital, Erica was declared dead. At the time, she weighed between 60 and 70 pounds. Because of this, the case was once again opened um, and they started re-examining the circumstances surrounding Cindy's death. They learned that the information they'd received from Kevin shortly after Cindy's death in 2009 wasn't true, particularly his claim that the family had been assisted by outside caregivers. The investigation revealed that a personal support worker had been dispatched to the Pine home in April of 2009 to assist with the mother, Erica, who suffered from a number of health and mobility issues. The PSW said that she was met at the door by Kevin, who demanded to know who sent her. The PSW said, quote, he explained to me that he didn't need help. He was a little agitated while I was there. Following his mother's death, Kevin was arrested and charged with criminal negligence causing death and failing to provide the necessities of life in what police described as the untimely deaths of both Cindy and Erica. By the time of his trial in early 2014, his charges had been upgraded to manslaughter and criminal negligence. The basis of the Crown's case was that both Cindy and Erica would not have died if Kevin had simply sought appropriate care for them. Dawn Mitchell, who worked with Kevin at the bowling alley, testified at the trial that she wrote him a letter in February of 2010, offering to visit his home to assist Erica. Dawn is a certified PSW. Quote, I was just concerned she wasn't getting the care she probably required. I made an offer to support and then followed up to see if he would accept my offer. He kind of shrugged it off. I haven't made a decision yet, he told her. According to another source, Kevin told coworkers about Cindy's burns, but indicated that they weren't serious. Quote, he didn't want social services to look into the matter. Quote, I told them they should be checked out because burns can be serious. He said they weren't that bad and that he could look after them by himself. When Cindy died, he told his coworkers that she had had a heart attack. The final witness at the trial was Kevin's uncle, Adolf Pline, who provided insight about the family dynamic that had shaped Kevin's life. Adolf described that his late brother, Peter, was a domineering and controlling man who, in essence, never allowed Kevin to assume the maturity eventually required of him when he assumed responsibility for Erica and Cindy. Adolf said, quote, my brother Peter was a strict man. In my opinion, he didn't give freedom to his kids and teach his kids to be on their own. In my opinion, I think my brother should be here in court and not Kevin. Kevin's aunt, Bertha, said that Erica had begun to waste away following Peter's death in 2006. Quote, she barely ate anything. She was about half the person she used to be. She was very fragile and delicate. She looked like if you touch her, she'd fall apart. In January of 2014, Kevin was convicted of manslaughter in the death of Erica and criminal negligence causing death in relation to Cindy. After his conviction, he made an effort to explain to the judge the circumstances he felt had brought about the deaths of his mother and sister. 
His defense lawyer said that Kevin, as a man, was unfit to see the welfare of others, repeatedly suggesting that his client was, quote, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Kevin said he'd been unprepared to assume the role of head of the family vacated upon his father's death. And Kevin said, I did the best I could given the little experience in taking care of my own person. Mom and dad cooked. I wasn't taught, nor was my sister, due to both of us suffering from epilepsy. We had to be supervised all of our lives. When my father passed away, it was a very tragic loss for me because I never thought I was going to be put into this kind of position, which I guess I was never ready for. When my relatives came to my dad's funeral, not one of them suggested anything for me about doing something to help my mom and sister. They probably saw what I was up against, but I never heard from anyone over for over seven years. Which is fair, but he was offered help. Like, Don did offer to help him. So, I do at one point see where Kevin's coming from, but he definitely did have support out there. He just didn't take it. In January of 2015, Justice O'Connell sentenced Kevin to 18 years in prison, 10 for the manslaughter conviction relating to Erica and 8 for the criminal negligence charge in Cindy's death. Justice O'Connell said, quote, There is no reason for me to think Mr. Pline did not have the intelligence to know better. His mother and sister were both at the mercy of him, which I agree with. So, yeah, um, this case um, is similar to the last case um, with the burns and stuff like that. But, yeah. So that's the case of Erica and Cindy Pline. Um, Dang, these cases are so rough. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. I will be back next week with a new episode. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram. In the meantime, you can see pictures of the case and all that kind of good stuff. Oh, and leave me a review wherever you're listening. It really helps me out a lot. I will catch you guys next week. So stay safe and I will see you then.